0: Good day to you, beloved. It's once again our blessed hope to be with you this, uh, this day, because truly it is the day of the Lord. It is a day that the Lord has been magnificent. God has been absolutely gracious. There are many things that uh, he has allowed us to witness, both trying and triumphing. Because in the things that you will face, both are there to teach you and to take you forward. Because I have learned that all things work together for good for those that are called according to God's purpose. And except you view the trials and tribulations that you go through, through the filter and through the lens of the spirit of the living God, some challenges that are there to raise you up will become actually the stone that will keep you down. And that's not the intention of God. Everything that will happen in your life, if you allow God to be the one that judges the situation around you, you will find you will struggle to get out of those things. But if you say, God... I have gone through this year because I am actually your child. And my understanding is that any father does not punish his child without giving a lesson in the punishment. If you're a father that has been fathered, you would know that punishment is not there to punish. Well, what we say, we call it punishment but it's actually when uh, you would use a rod, not your hand, you would use a rod to beat nonsense out of your child. I know in our day and age that is, a, that is an offense that uh, you can be put into jail for, for disciplining your child. But then it is a strategy of the enemy to make our children, to make our household ungovernable. It is a strategy that is worldwide. It is a strategy that is being practiced. It is called uh, uh, human rights or whatever fancy names they put to it. But behind it all, it is to make your home ungovernable. I'm not talking about child abuse. I'm talking about discipline in your home. And so if you don't understand discipline, how to discipline your own child. Um, I've got my children. I've got two of them. And I think I uh, hit both of them once. I didn't beat them. I think it might have been. I was unsaved that time, I suppose. I did use my hand. But my discipline on my children was word of mouth. I didn't use the Bible, the Bible says this here, because I didn't want the Bible to be blamed for however they come out. But I used the wisdom of God's word to bring my children into line. I don't have perfect children. My son shouts at me more times than I shout at him. Oh, he tries, of course, but uh, he knows how far he can carry his weight around, because he knows I'm his father. Um, it's, the shouting is where we, agree, we disagree, sorry. Where he believes that he knows the thing better than I do. Maybe things are old fashioned at times. But I know over time he sees the error of his ways and he comes back into line. Why? Because when I act discipline on him, it is grievous at the that time. That's what the Bible says. When God corrects you at the time that you have transgressed his law, you will always feel that god is unfair but over the following days you will re- see the wisdom of god because god's uh, discipline it is not punitive that uh, it should uh, mete out punishment it is always corrective and so god will correct you and i and it is of absolute importance that we know how to discipline our children. The rod of your mouth is more prosperous than the one that you will pick off a tree and come and damage your child in whatever shape or form. But when you know how to dis- discipline with your mouth, it's so good. But then sometimes we talk too much, and then sometimes we need to they need to be dusted. When they're still young, you need to. Just some children, uh, they crave that. But maybe you are different. I've hit my, uh, one of my grandchildren. I hit him because he was naughty. And now I've got the best grandson ever. I know the parents were not chuffed about it. Tough. But now he's a good boy because he knows when I speak I'm not entertaining. When I speak I expect to if you heard you must act on what. He's the best of the lot because I trapped him. So God, God meets out his discipline on me and I know when I'm being disciplined that I've been out of order with God and so We come back into line. But in saying that, I want to tag on on our message of last week, When the Righteous Rule. And one of the things that that I think I implicitly said, God loves you enough that he gave you his Holy Spirit. He gave you a mind that you can think. I know there are many messages that are being filtered on a daily basis, especially via uh, uh, television. And then you've got your cell phones so that will give you a whole lot of messages. Well, listen to what you are listening to. Does it make sense? Would you like the world that you are busy vying and really being adamant about? Would you like for your children to live in that environment? You must learn to think 10 years, 20 years down the line. Is an anarchy that we are seeing right now. Would you like your children, your grandchildren, to live in that environment? Because what we put together today, it is what we're going to reap a few years down the line. We know from 2007, South Africa was misgoverned in a most atrocious way. Um, You saw... um, looting being virtually legalized because the highest form of those that are in power were dishing out like they owned the South African purse. It was only for them. And so, the lack that we're experiencing now started in 2007. 2009 became a pivotal point in South Africa. I don't know how far we're going to go in this current position. Definitely there needs to be some changes that need to take place. But also my argument has got to be tempered by the position of the church in all this. Where is a church standing where is uh, the, the church that's supposed to decree God's laws, God's uh, behavior upon uh, the, the environment in which we live in? Because uh, I might remind you of Sodom and Gomorrah. I might remind you that uh, uh, the angel of God uh, came into uh, Sodom and then uh, they had to pass by the righteous man and they went to check with him. And there was uh, a whole lot of uh, conversation. The, uh, the, the, the man of God, he met them and uh, he treated the angels and uh, he made a bargain with them, you know, if they are 50 people righteous people, will you destroy the place? If uh, they came right down to 10, if they are righteous people, would you not destroy this place? It wasn't found none. And so it brings me to when the righteous rule, when the church takes back its position to enact the laws of God and not fall in line with the unrighteous government that is uh, busy pillaging uh, the the system, pillaging and uh, saying uh, they're all for the poor, and yet they are taking from the poor unrighteously. Because the church has fallen in line with that. We find people in the church, they are gone so greedy for filthy accrual that uh, they are, as long as they are filling their pockets, they see nothing wrong. Oh, my Father, help us in this time that we learn how to be stewards of that which is not ours. I'm telling you, if we begin to pray for righteousness to begin to fall upon South Africa, you will see the turn. But as long as we wait, I mean, come on, there is no government that can punish itself. None. None. But when the Spirit of God rises up within the children of God and they begin to take their rightful place and pray for God's righteousness to fall upon the earth, you will see changes. And I do believe that there's a a big prayer that was going all over South Africa. I don't know if you participated in that, but today was a day when the church was supposed to come together and really seek God for the salvation of this country. And we need, desperately we need change in South Africa. We need change to happen in South Africa. And so it brings me to the place, once again, I love the Old Testament because it gives me a window of how God uh, deals with, uh, you you will find that uh, from the beginning of time, God will select a man And out of the man a family will come. And out of that family will come a nation. We cannot skirt about the reality that the Jews are pivotal out of the word of God. And I saw and I began to realize that child of God, it doesn't matter where you are standing right now. What is, uh, maybe I've angered some, maybe some are ready to shut this here off but it is to your peril. I'm telling you the truth of this morning, this, uh, uh, today. I'm telling you the truth. You need to listen. God will select a man, and he will speak to that man, and that man uh, needs to inform his family. And out of that family, a tribe will e- evolve, and out of that uh, a tribe will evolve a nation. It, does, it, it doesn't go on a large scale one time. Maybe the world has gone bigger than what it was, the, uh, uh, the place of Israel and the Middle East at the point of time when Scripture was being recorded for us. But God, I believe God uses the same methodology even up to today. He could select you out of your own kitchen, baby, and begin to speak to you. And you begin to speak to your husband or to your children. And out of that conversation, it begins to grow and grow and grow. Because the word of God is very clear. Whatever word God speaks, it never comes back to him void. It just needs somebody that is going to take that word and begin to speak it out. I am reminded in, uh, in uh, Genesis uh, 30 verse 22. The word of God says to us, and God remembered Rachel. And I had to look back, how did God remember Rachel? What did she say that God began to remember her prayer? Because your prayers, I've said this here before, your prayer never dies. It remains enforced. It remains active. It will be at God's appointed time that God will answer your prayer. You need to learn how to stay in faith. Rachel could not bear a child. Her heart was there. Her husband loved her dearly. But somehow God had shut her womb. And it would take many years for her to finally bear a child. Her sister produced and produced and even got her maid servant and say to uh, to Abraham, There's she be the fatom. And he beat children out of that. Rachel also said, Well, since uh, the maids are also now going to produce uh, for us, okay, you take mine too. But God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't forgotten your prayer. Have you forgot about your prayer? Have you forgotten about uh, the things that you have cried to God for? Do not forget it. You stay at your post. uh, You stay at the place where God called you and you need to bring that before God uh, and come in faith. Listen, my sister. Listen, my brother. It is not about how many times you repeat those words. For me, it is how many times you believe that when When you pray God, yes, your prayer. Rachel, she prayed. Obviously, she asked God for her own child. But I want you to hear how she prayed. Not when, uh, okay, uh, we'll just pick it up. You can go and look uh, at Genesis uh, uh, 29. But we're speaking on 30 right now. And uh, 30, verse 22, it says, And God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived, verse 23, and bare a son. And she said, God has taken away my reproach. Remember, if you didn't bear a child at that time, it was a reproach. And the man viewed that in a very bad light because it meant his name will never continue. And so she needed her own child. And verse 24, I love it because I don't know how many of you named your children. What thought did you take before you named your child? Did you find some popular TV star or movie actor and you named your child after that? Or were you like this woman? She was prophetic. When she named her child Joseph, and she called his name Joseph, saying, the Lord shall add to me another son. And I thought, when I'm reading, I said, oh God. She received this boy, and she calls him Joseph. And she's saying to God, you have blessed me with a son. But out of this son here, I am not settling for just one son. I need another. I wonder, she said, I want to have a string of sons just like my sister has. I wonder. Because Benjamin will come, and unfortunately she will die Why giving birth to Benjamin? And I'm thinking, does she short-live her own life just by asking for one more son? I don't know. She had lots of issues. I mean, she stole uh, things from her father's house and she didn't make a clean break when she met Jacob. That changed life. It didn't change. She played games. And we can't afford in this day and age to be double-minded. God needs you and I to uh, have a single eye, a single heart, and uh, not be moved by things around us. We need to stay focused because uh, this Joseph will become very, very pivotal. I want to tell you this year. As I looked at uh, the life of Joseph, and I looked at the life of Jesus, and I'm thinking these men, uh, both of them were rejected by their families. And we are here today speaking about the things of God, uh, reading out of the Bible because of the position these men uh, took in history. Joseph, it says he was loved by his father. Jesus, it says, he was loved by his father. The brothers sold Joseph to slavery. Jesus was sold by his brothers into, a, a, into a crucifixion. But that became pivotal. And uh, I said to, to, to Mary, I think it was uh, on Friday morning when we woke up and I just thought, Lord, we never lose. It doesn't matter who might reject us. Oh, you know, you can reject me, but the reality is that there is a day that is going to come when you're going to need me. And I said, Lord, when that happens, help me not to remind them about how they treated me. It must be, God, I want to thank you that you have placed me in this, this position, that I can help my brother, can help my sister. It doesn't matter how they treated me. Because that was a position that uh, Joseph uh, uh, Occupied. That was a position he had. In fact, when he saw them, he began to weep. He longed for them. He longed to embrace them. He was able to say, what you've done, it wasn't your fault. It was simply God sending me ahead to prepare a place for you. Jesus would say exactly the same. Even though uh, you are sending me to the cross, The reality is I have to go ahead of you and become the first fruit that I can prepare a place that where I am, you will also be. At the Jews rejecting Jesus, the gospel came to you and I. The Bible says that those who knew God, who were not part of the commonwealth, they came in, they were brought in. It was because they rejected him. Joseph was rejected by his brothers, but he became the breadbasket where they could come with their begging bowls and he was able to embrace them as brothers. Not as those that uh, 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 sent me uh, to Egypt as a slave. But Joseph kept his integrity. I think in our first video, I spoke about Joseph. But I feel once again, I need to remind you that in the time of heat, in the time of trouble, you need to learn how to keep your integrity because your life is not finished yet. God still has plenty for you to do. And you don't know, really, we don't know how our lives are going to pan out tomorrow. But we know that if we remain, in Christ, remain in love with him, there are some realities that are lying there that do not need to die with us. That we need to learn how to express, how to keep out there because we are the hope of the next generation. What we do today will determine how the next generation is going to come in. In what world are they going to come into? It is incumbent upon you and I as believers to come before God and ask God to teach us how to pray for the next generation. We need to learn how to impose the will of God upon our environment. We haven't learned how to really impose the will of God. And uh, one of the things that that came to me in the week, uh, I have heard this many, many times of people saying, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. And I began to think, Lord, could that be a true statement in our day today? That we are going to sit on our buttocks and wait, that uh, hoping that uh, the unrighteous will fall. No, 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 they are not going to fall. The word of God, uh, for me, it reminds me that uh, when I rule my house in righteousness, when I am a good steward of that which God has placed into my hands, do you know how to tithe? Do you know how to give? Do you know how to bless people around you? Do you know how to share with those that do not have around you? Or are you always waiting for the unrighteous to come and give you? Hey, I would rather be blessed by a believer than an unbeliever. Not that I wouldn't take, but when I know that you, there's no strings attached, I haven't been given anything, so I really don't know how I will react to that. But yeah, I suppose I, I, uh, I helped somebody in this week, maybe. The Lord was teaching me something. So I helped somebody. It's a job I did not want to do. But I decided, okay, let's just give it a shot and see. As we started that thing, that man was woefully short with the stuff that he brought to me that I must be able to build something else for him. And so he brought it on Friday morning. We began on Thursday morning, and I looked at the stuff here, and I said, okay, you need this here to be done. You need that to be done. He said, yes. I said, but where's the piece that's going to fit here? Where's the piece going to fit here? And, uh, hey, but, you know, Uncle Henry, I'm so in a hurry for this. So I said, okay, you stick around here. Let me try and plan it out and see if we can help you. And I began to cut the stuff for him. And it began to fall into place. It began to fall into place. I was able to save on uh, off cuts that should have been a waste, had I cut according to how we wanted it to be cut. And we were able to salvage pieces. That in the end, we only had to do a a strip from one to put into one frame. But all else was because we had asked God, you said, Lord, you will give us clever invention, how to do things. You will give us a, a good intelligence on how to see things. You know, sometimes you know how you want the end product. But you need to learn how to start the and then you will know how to end. Sometimes we see the end, but we don't know how to begin. But when you ask God, he gives you a total picture. But it starts with the things that we can do. You know, I've looked at some of our people, how they tithe in this church. And I have to say, I'm appalled at some of them. And I look at those that, that are faithful servants. I mean, we, we have a, a, a man that is not even in the church. But from the time he left the church, he has never failed to put a deposit. In this week, in this month, I think he's already made a, a deposit three times. He's just started work. After almost a year of not working, it's been faithful. And I know it's not about his money, it's, it is about God cleaning out his heart in all this. But God is showing him that he is supreme, that if he, he would begin to honor God with his whole life, not just your money, but with his whole life, God is able to turn your situation around. He's an intelligent man. He's got uh, things that uh, can work for him, but there are areas that he needs to iron out. And I'm saying to everybody else, you need to iron out some things. You, you, you know, you're earning big money, but you are struggling. You don't quite seem to see where your money is going to. You need to be careful how you deal with the things of God, how you touch the things of God. How you speak about God. Do you really have a relationship with God? Or you think you can pay God off and then you think then God will then is obliged to do what you want him to do? He's God. He's God. But we need to know how to be stewards with the things that God has placed in us. Not because we want to get the next Big paycheck, not because then we want to God to give us favor with somebody else. We must honor God for who God is, and then the rest of the things will come and fall into line. And so today, it's I know it seems a, a, a bit uh, out of place or all over the place, but I, I, I just needed you to know that uh, Rachel. She prayed and she stayed praying while her sister was producing children after children. She stayed at the place of saying, God, I need my own child. From my womb, I will have a child from my husband. And... uh, and it, it would be, will in, uh, in Genesis uh, 39, we find Joseph already in Potiphar's house. And you can hear how this man, how he conducts his life. That he was just bought as a slave. I mean, yeah, he's a stranger in the land. He comes into this uh, place, this uh, general Potiphar. He buys uh, the, the slave. He brings him in his house. He and I don't know how, after how long. This was a 17-year-old kid. And suddenly he has the responsibility of running the household of Potiphar. This was a captain in the army. And suddenly he has the responsibility of taking care of the whole, of the whole household. He has an episode uh, uh, later uh, with uh, Potiphar's wife. And he would be so, he graciously explains to Potiphar's wife, saying nothing happens. He said, in fact, your husband knows nothing that happens in this house because he has entrusted everything into my hands. And he said, you are the only one that he has kept from me. And I don't believe that Potiphar said to Joseph, you make sure that you, because the Bible says uh, he, was, uh, he was a goodly looking young man. He was well endowed. And so he was a handsome man, I guess. He was well built and things like that. But he knew, just like Daniel, you know, I found uh, something very interesting with the life of Daniel. The, the meaning to his name. We just uh, see here uh, Joseph's name means God will add another son. And we know that uh, uh, Benjamin became the other son. Daniel's name means uh, God is my judge. God is my judge. But it didn't stop there. God is my judge. It is he who decides whether I live or die. That is why he could stand his ground because he knew that if God be on my side, it is only what God decided that can happen in my life. If it's not God's decision... For me to die today, I will not die. It doesn't matter. You can put me in the lion's den. If it's not God's time for me, it will never be God's time for me to go. God is my judge. He is the one that decides what happens to me. I leave. I do not struggle. That is why when they were told that uh, you need to only pray to the image of uh, um, Nebuchadnezzar, he went home opened the windows to the city and he began to pray. Why? He was not defiant. He was obedient to his God. When it is my prayer time, it is my prayer time. Hmm. And I said to when I, I discovered this, I, I said, Lord, can I be as faithful as that? Would you, would you develop me, God, to become as a faithful servant as people like Daniel, people like uh, Joseph? They understood that their lives was not determined by the things that entice them for now. They knew that their lives spoke to the future, that they were important for the future. It was how they conduct their lives that will determine the outcome of those that will come behind him. Joseph understood this. He understood this. He would explain to this lady and say, so, "Lady, I can't do things like that. I respect my master. He's been, he has seen the grace of God in me, and I'm not going to mar that with uh, things that are not for me. Stay clear of temptation." Doesn't mean temptation won't come to you. Temptation will come, but is when you know who you are, you know what you carry inside of you. You will not want to dilute that. God will give you wisdom how to duck the bullet when you know how to please your God. Please your God and God will be pleased with you and he will give you his protection. I think I've said this here before. There are some things or some days that you won't even pray towards that. But God, because you are built up in your storehouse, God will allow you to maneuver through every trap that the enemy will put in your way. Joseph explains himself, and then, of course, you know the story that in the, he will end up in prison. Prison that even his friends whom he helps will even forget about him. But he, he was not forgotten by God. God will create another situation where then you will come back into your position. Doesn't matter how many times you've been maligned, how many times people have pushed you out. For for, for me, I realize when people walk away from me, you know, you come into their conversation, they walk away. From that conversation, I just realized that it is anointing of God because I couldn't care who you are. You can reject me all you want, but there's a day that is coming that you are going to need me. And I will always say, Lord, help me that I do not remind them of what they've done to me. That I must be gracious because you are gracious when the children of Israel were part and parcel of your crucifixion, but you haven't thrown them away. Why? Because you know that you died for them. And if you have to make sacrifices for somebody else's benefit, do it. Do it. We don't have to sacrifice our life for nobody. Nobody. Jesus has already done that. But there are little things. Like forgiveness. Could sound like a sacrifice to somebody. But do it. Forgive. Forgive. You won't grow at writers after that. You won't be forgotten by God. You don't have to, uh, every time, oh, God, I hope you remember me. You know I was the one that sinned. Oh, please, save me. Just fix your life, and God is is happy with you the way you are. As I said last week, you are made in His image. You are too important to be counted for failure. You are too important to be held back by things that you're supposed to have overcome. You are an overcomer. You know, it is a very long story, but very, very interesting to read. Read Genesis 39. And uh, verse 3 says, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. That is a, a, a man that is righteous when he rules his life with righteousness that is recognized by God. We do not do things to please man. We do things to please God because the Bible says when we please God, even our enemies will come and make peace with us. We are too quick to try and sell ourselves and go and tell people about this one done that, that one done that. No, you need to tell God that. And tell God how happy you will be the day God will visit them and bless them. Bless your enemies so that God can bless you. God wants to see you prosper. And uh, verse uh, uh, four, and it says, "And Joseph found grace in uh, in uh, uh, Potiphar's, uh, uh, and, his, and he and and he served Potiphar well, and he made him to be an overseer over his house, and all that he had was put into his hand. You see, it didn't make him in charge of his house because he was a slave." First, he recognized God in Joseph. He recognized the hand. Mari says, I point my finger. Sorry, I must paint it. (laughs) Potiphar recognized the spirit of God in Joseph. In other words, Joseph did not become a good boy when he came into this environment. It was cultured in him already. He feared God, he lived for God, and all his life he wanted to do that which would be a blessing. Why? Because God had given him a vision of lots of things bowing to him. He saw the the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing to him. His family, his mother, his father, his brothers bowing to him. I know it upset them. Why? They didn't know what the future holds. But Joseph kept that in himself. He knew somehow there is something special about me. I need to keep my integrity. You know, I I know sometimes we have uh, spent too much time with wrong company who will give us a wrong view of how God views us but it is moments like this year that I am encouraging you to wake up to even your friends. Wake up to your friends. Some, you know, when we stopped drinking, our friends said, you know, we miss you guys. You'll need to come back and drink with us. And we said, no, we don't need that kind of drink anymore. We only need the drink of the Holy Spirit. They said, but we miss you all. Say, that's fine. Miss us. Come and join us instead of us going back to you. There are some of you that have been saved, but you have come into the wrong company and you've said there is nothing wrong in a few beers now and again until it takes that bite I think is it uh, Proverbs 22 23 be careful don't play with things that God moved you from do not play with things that God has moved you from Get clear of those things. Your life is miserable, because of that thing. I've seen people with potential men, men and women with potential. but the curse of liquor has made them to become a pariah. Oh Lord. You are so important to God. The enemy wants to pull you away and keep you under the weather continuously. Come out of that foolishness. I asked God to take everything away from me that was not pleasing to him. And one of the things was alcohol. Cigarettes, yes, I had stopped. But I will take a puff now and again. But in 1982, God made a complete turnaround. And it began to restore, even though in uh, uh, 1991 to 1994, I virtually lost everything. Lost everything. All I was left with was a house that was Six months in arrears. The bank was preparing to repossess the house. But God came through for me in 1984. 1994, sorry, 1994. He came through. He gave me my dignity back. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was my fault. I have been warned. I went into a partnership that I should never have been in. Lots of friends told me, that's not a partnership for you. But I would convinced myself it was easy money. I was going to keep working. We employed somebody to run the business. So it was, hey, just extra money that I, I just invested money, and I'm getting my return. But I didn't know that it was a trap that I walked into with my eyes wide open, and I lost everything. But you know what? In that time, I never turned from God. I never turned from God. I remember one time when uh, my car was stolen. I mean, can you believe? beat that. I'm in the middle of the crisis, and my car gets stolen. And to crown it, the clown goes and crashes the thing. I mean, I was broken. I was beat. But even then, I still cried to God one morning. I think it was three weeks after it was gone. I cried to God. I said, help me recover this thing here. Didn't even know that it had been smashed. And it was in that weekend I had to borrow somebody's car to drive to an area to look for this car. The police had spent a week looking for it in the same area, couldn't find it. It was a miracle. We borrowed somebody's binoculars. We scoured the place, couldn't find it. But the moment I removed those binoculars, I saw the car. I put back the binoculars, focused as best as I could, couldn't see it removed the binoculars, looked with my naked eyes. I could virtually see. The car was nearly a kilometer and a half from me. We had a sticker at the back that said, Jesus loves me or oh, loves you, loves you. Jesus loves you. And I could read it from there. I mean, I've passed that place uh, oftentimes and I would look towards that house. I can barely see the, the door but I could read the thing like that. You must say, aha, impossible. Well, I experienced it. I know it. My wife can attest to that because I was with her. I said to her, I've seen the car. She said, where? I pointed to her. She says, I can't see it. I said, well, I know it's there. And miracle of miracles, we uh, drove from there. We're going to the police station, and we meet with a, a, a police on the way. And I flagged him down, and he, and I said to me, I said to him, "Please help me. I just need to get my car back." And he said, no, "No, no, I'm not from this area." I said, "It doesn't matter. Just please come and help me before the man gets away with it." Say please. And anyway, he had a he was driving a police vehicle, but he had a whole lot of people at the back, which he hadn't arrested. It was his family. And we drove. It wasn't even a road. Somehow, I mean, there were bushes this way. How I actually found the way to the house. Miracle. God is a miracle-working God. Trust me. You've got to have faith when you pray. You've got to believe that that which you're asking God for is going to give it to you. It is not about repeating scripture. You can quote the whole Bible, but if it's not backed up by faith, you will get nothing from God. I'm telling you that. If you've got some bad habits today, I'm saying, you need to draw a line and say, Lord, today I want to serve you in spirit and in truth. There are things I don't want to go to bed with a hazy mind. Can you imagine that day you are so sloshed out of your mind and somebody comes and breaks in into your house and that woman that is lying next to you, she is helpless because you can't get up. The enemy is at the door. Come on, my brother. Come on. God has placed you. He has given you a mind. Do not allow your mind to be stolen from you. You need to allow yourself saying, God, restore everything that I have What the enemy has stolen. If he's stolen your dignity, ask God to restore your dignity. Ask God to restore your mind. Ask God to restore the values that you know when you are sober. You know that you are valuable. But when you lose your mind in alcohol, you are lost, man. Come on. Don't waste your life on this. Don't waste your money on this. God loves you too much to give up on you. So you are going to lead a miserable life because he's going to be at you all the time. He has invested too much in you. Don't waste it. Don't waste another day. Come back to God. You might stagger, you might uh, fall, but uh, God is there to lift you up once you've made up your mind. Change is absolutely guaranteed. Absolutely. But anyway, we got to that house. We retrieved the car. I mean, I was so cross. I was so cross. I was ready to take the man out. I was going to give him the bunch of fives. Hey, the cop sticks a gun on my head, man. He says, I'll shoot you. I said, come on. The man wronged me. And he says, well... I'm representing the law. You cannot take the law into your own hands. Can you imagine that? But we retrieved the car, fixed it, and a year later the thing nearly killed me because I rolled it after that. After money, i spent money, I am struggling. Still had to fix a car, which six months later will be a wreck. Yeah, I think it was six or seven months. It was a total wreck. Total wreck. That was towards November of 1991. Total wreck. So I would struggle, I would struggle till the uh, end of 1994. And God turned my situation around. Why? I never forsook God in my time of struggle, in my time of desperate struggle, that I had people buying groceries for me. Couldn't afford it. Three solid years. Had no salary. Why? Unequally yoked. Unequally yoked. And I took a stand from that time. I will never go into a partnership. Never do it again. Rather struggle and struggle alone. Where I have nobody else to blame but me. I take responsibility for everything. Can't even blame the devil for it. Cannot blame the devil for it. It was my foolishness. I got greedy. Thought I could make easy money. Don't know if there's such a thing as easy money that is made honestly. But I've chosen to honor God in everything that I will do. Nothing that is out of place. Don't need easy money if it means I must forsake my integrity with God. Don't need easy money. Because I need God far more than that easy money. Amen. So my friends, I'm begging you once again. Rule your life righteously. And everybody else around you would prosper. Learn how to bring your life back to order come back to God's order. Maybe you think you're a self-made man, you're self-made woman, you know, you are self-sufficient. How much more would you be if you forgot about all those things and invited God? Say, God, you have endowed me with so much. But I know your word says, uh, My eye hasn't seen, nor has my ear heard, nor has it filtered into my mind what you have in store for me. So in spite of all my successes, I know, God, you're not finished with me. Come back to God and let God be God in your life and see what the Lord will do through you and not only through you, to those around you. If you ever love somebody, if you ever love somebody, You want to see them not happy for the day. You want them happy for the rest of their lives. Happiness does not mean it is an absence of trials and tribulations. uh, Happiness is when I know even through my trial and tribulation, I will come out all right after that. I will come out richer out of my experience. For me, that is absolute happiness. Not living, oh, if I lose this year, my life is done. No, no, no. Your life will only be done at the day the Lord calls you home. While you are here on the earth, you need to say, Lord, what would you have me to do tomorrow? How can, be a, how can I be a blessing to my enemy? How can I, I bless them? Instead of uh, trying to say, God, God, you need to punish, punish them. And God saying, how can I punish that which I created for, uh, to glorify me on the earth? How can I do that? How can I I, uh, mar my own face and think then I'm going to look uh, beautiful? You can't do that. So don't add things. Don't add things into your life that God hasn't added. You know, you think of uh, Sarah bringing a Haggai. I mean, we're still reaping the mistake of that woman bringing Haggai. I mean, the church is, finds itself being an enemy of... Like, come on, don't add to the stature of God in your life. You can't change anything. The Bible says you can't even add one aota on your hair, whether to be gray or black. You can't do it. Only God that allows it to be like that. So God is pivotal. So come back to God in your your fullness to enjoy what he has in store for you. Amen. God bless you. I've overrun again today. But uh, we're going to partake of communion once again today. Because I believe, uh, Jesus said, whenever you come together, do this in remembrance of me. And so communion is part and parcel of whenever we speak about the things of God, even in our own home, when we speak about the things of God, we ought to partake of the Lord's table. It's our lifestyle. It's a culture that we need to get in. We remind ourselves of whose we are. It's not a guilt drink. It is a celebration that God, you've done this for me. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. We remember him, and then we remember how to put his body together. We remember how to encourage one another to come back to God. It might feel painful of the things that I've said today, but uh, believe me, I think it's useful for you. And take it, and then partake of the Lord's table. If I've offended you, when you come to the Lord's table, you have no option but to forgive me, and then forgive yourself. Okay, let's partake of the Lord's table. Thank you, Lord, that you bless these emblems to our bodies in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you safe until we meet again next week. But next week, I suppose it's going to be different because we're going to have a few people in the auditorium. I don't know how we're going to do about uh, beaming the messages to you. But um, if you would like us to send you our messages more, maybe leave a note on uh, this video today or last week or whichever one you're able to watch, leave a note on that so that uh, we would know how to communicate with with you. Maybe some of you are out of town, and so not easy to join us on uh, Sunday, but uh, this coming Sunday, the 4th of October, we are starting uh, our services in the church. Don't know how, uh, can't even say don't come because there's so many. Don't even know how many people are going to come. But I do believe there are some that are, waiting just to come and have fellowship, not to be preached to, not to be thrilled with music, but to be thrilled to be in the presence of God once again. As I said, come. For me, our first Sunday together should be a time of celebration, should also be a time that we rededicate our lives back to God. God bless you and keep you safe until we meet again. Bye-bye.